This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. I'd like to speak this morning from, it's really a verse uh, from the Old Testament, which is very popular at these kind of times. It is used often. Uh, The verse itself is a wonderful verse, but I want to read it to you. I've set it in its context and see if we can learn something which will be helpful for us at this time. The last thing that we want to do uh, is to have false hope based on an incorrect understanding of Scripture. But what we do want to do is take that Word of God and let it settle in our hearts so that it might equip us and encourage us in these times and any times that we find ourselves in, whether they are good or whether they are difficult and hard. So please turn with me to the second book of Chronicles, way back in the Old Testament there, chapter 7, and here's verse 14. See if you recognise this verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I I can understand why somebody would like to reference a scripture like that um, to give maybe a solution for difficult times. But is that really the way we should look at it? Because if it isn't, uh, it will not help us. And the word of God is given for our instruction in order to help us, uh, to discipline us, uh, to help us along through difficult times, sometimes to encourage, to challenge, all of these wonderful things. But let me set it in its uh, its beginnings, where it comes from. So I'm just going to read a few verses from the very beginning of that chapter 7 to show where this is set uh, in history, its context, and then how should we apply it. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Now there we have it. It's the dedication of the temple in Old Testament days. Can we apply that to us today? That day is past, it happened, it was real, it was remarkable. I don't think that when we meet together on a Sunday morning, the fire comes down from heaven and consumes a sacrifice. Well, I hope not because the sacrifice has already been made. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it's happened, it's done. It's complete, but there's no more sacrifice needed. So already we see that there is a limitation placed upon the use of a verse like this. There is no question 
the glory of God was there. He was with his people who were his people. Well, of course, we can say today, if we are in Christ, we are his people. There is no question of that. But in the passage, who were his people, it was national Israel. A distinct race of people that God had entered into a covenant with for a particular purpose. And the covenant had all kinds of blessings and curses. The covenant was of limited nature. It applied to those people and those people alone. It was also of limited nature because it applied with a time limit put upon it. Because there was a better covenant to come, a bigger covenant, a wider covenant uh, that included not just that particular people. So we have restrictions on the way that we should understand this. And yet, as we seek to understand, we should not minimise the wonderful nature of that covenant, the glory of God in the presence of his people. And what God had to say to them. What he would do for them. Now of course God was fully aware that they would not fulfill the covenant. He was fully aware that they would stray in many many different ways. He had said earlier on what the conditions were and he had warned them that if they did not fulfill the conditions that such things as pestilence would come. And here was God as the temple was being dedicated reiterating some of those remarkable and powerful things. And in his mercy, in his love for the people that he had called to himself for that particular purpose of being the forerunners of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that wonderful way, even as he spoke his warnings, even as he put out the possibility uh, that they would stray and in their straying there would be a devastation in the land he presented a way forward which was all to do with humility and repentance the remarkable nature of this particular covenant was that in the land the geographical boundaries of the land that God had granted to them he said to them that he would increase their produce. The land would produce wonderful things if they obeyed his covenant. But they didn't. And yet he said if they would turn back to him in the day of sin, of idolatry, of straying away, that he would heal their land and bring it back to full productivity. That is the mercy of God. The grace of God even prefigured here. That is what it was all about. And we have a lesson from this. Because this kingdom that he was talking about, this land with geographical boundaries and boundaries of a people that could be identified according to their family. They were to be a prophetic symbol of something that would be greater. We have this principle in the word of God that the physical comes first and then the spiritual comes afterwards. The physical, of course, is a good thing. 
it is of its own nature prophetic of something bigger and greater. The spiritual is greater. It does not show itself in the same way. It does not restrict itself uh, to the physical nature of the land, for example, the geography, even the government. It is bigger and wider. And the rules of the kingdom of God, they are different from the rules of the kingdoms of this world. It wasn't that the covenant that God had made with these people wasn't God. It was limited and it was to show a better way. And now we are in the better way. And we do not come into our gatherings in our buildings, our church buildings, if we have them. And we do not expect that there will be a sacrifice on an altar. And we do not expect that on that altar, the fire of God will come and burn it up. And as much as perhaps sometimes we would wish to have a glimpse of what that looked like, we must recognize that what we have now is far greater. What we have now is a different kind of kingdom. Something has been completed. That does not mean the glory of God is diminished, but it does mean that the glory of God is manifest in a different way. We don't come to a temple anymore. Jesus was very clear about that. It is not helpful for us when we think about our buildings, even to say we are going to the house of God, because it isn't. It is not a temple, it is not a sanctuary, because the Spirit of God dwells within us and he is without boundaries. He is not restricted to the physical nature of a place. So what we have today is much more. In the Old Testament times, God promised that he would protect his people if they obeyed him. And what we have to glean from these kind of ideas, remembering that they are prophetic symbols. They were real for those people, but they spoke of the greater way. God would protect his people, but what about today? How does he protect his people? Well, certainly he does not in any way say that we will be exempt from trouble. He does not say that we will be exempt from the difficulties that the world in general experiences. He does not say those things. He does not say that if we are good Christians, uh, that he will keep us safe from some virus, some pestilence, some disease. He does not say that. And we know from our previous studies that actually we are called to suffer alongside the world, that we might understand the suffering that there is, and yet find the place of victory within it. And we can see that in Paul's writing, we can see it in the whole of the Revelation, and we understand that sometimes, like everybody else, God's people, not a racial group, a family group, and not a political group, not a governmental group, not a nation uh, because of boundaries, but all of God's people who belong to him, they are in his hand.
and he means them good. You see, this is what we see from the Old Testament, that God is a good God. He is a just God, that he is for his people, that he is merciful to his people, and that he will give them grace in order that they might overcome and make their way through. We see in that Old Testament that God is the sovereign Lord that has never changed. The goodness of God has not changed. It's just that now there is a, a bigger and a better way. It might be different, but our approach must be different. And it must be appropriate for the way that the days that we are in. But I think that what happens sometimes is that we forget about the Old Testament as if it is no longer relevant. Well, of course it's relevant. It is part of the history of salvation. It is a part of the history of God's dealings with mankind. It is a part of the history of the way that God calls out of this fallen world of people to himself. There are many things to learn. We can see the way that God, he had his people in mind. He always desired for the very best for his people. And in his compassion, he would take every opportunity to bring them through up to a place of plenty. He is no different today. Our plenty is different from their plenty. But if we are to expect the benefits of belonging to the kingdom of God, because in the Old Testament it was a kingdom, it was a theocracy that set boundaries on a people distinct from the nations outside. Our kingdom is a different kingdom, but still God is king. And he has certain expectations. You know, I think that often we have expectations of God. And it is right to have expectations if we understand what it is that he has said. But he has expectations of his people. Under the old covenant, he had expectations that they would obey the covenant. Under the new covenant, does he still not have the same expectations? Does he not require his people to live holy, dedicated to him, to live godly lives, and to live lives that would honour his name, to live lives that actually do represent the glory of God within a fallen world? Of course he does. And sometimes we stray. And if we stray, we need to turn and humble ourselves. We need to repent and by faith receive the forgiveness and the reconciliation that God has for us through Christ. So in that sense, there is a similarity. God has not changed. People don't change. But his purposes are being worked out. They are advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing in this world whether we fully see it or not. And it is our task to take that kingdom and the wonderful principles of the kingdom of God out there. In this day, uh, we do not do that by some kind of Christian ghetto, separatism, 
We do it by engaging the world and living in the world as those who represent Christ well, as those who know that they do not have a burden of guilt upon their shoulders, as those who know what it is to be forgiven and in being forgiven, love him much with the desire to show that there is an overcoming in this life that cannot be crushed by the fallenness of this world. Whether it is limitations placed upon us by government, whether it is persecution, and whether it is the mockery of the ungodly, whether it is a pandemic that by its nature takes people, isolates them, sometimes takes their life. But whatever it is, we have a God who is sovereign Lord. He is good. He cares for his people. And he gives everything that we need in order to overcome. There is no healing of a physical land. That is not what we should seek for. But we should seek the kingdom of God in which there is no bad thing. In which there is peace. In which there is joy. In which there is righteousness. And we are strengthened as we think of the prayer of Jesus when he was praying to the Heavenly Father. Keep them in this world. Keep them that they might overcome. And that is the place that we find ourselves in. Let us take every opportunity at these times to be able to share the gospel in all of its fullness with clarity in truth because that is where our real hope lies amen thank you for joining us true foundations is headed by david j jones a preacher and teacher of the word of god his passion is to help individual christians discover their true identity in christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.